Griffin McCorgle. Uh, Matt is uh, in the Himalayas right now, so uh, I guess Griffin, I oh, Griffin, I, I'm I'm calling you from the top of Mount Everest. Oh, Matt, what a big surprise! <laughs> Hello, everyone. I, as you can probably tell, uh, we went to art school. And uh, I am Matt Schufreiter. I'm the real Matt Schufreiter, and I'm joining. And, and I'm the real Griffin McCorkle. Uh, and we are not in the icy mountains right now. Although, don't know about you, Griffin. It's really cold here in Chicago. Um. Yeah, I know. I I remember all of last week. I kept getting like uh, texts and messages from from friends over there, being like, "It's it's snowing like two feet or whatever." And yeah. and and I'm over here in Seattle. We've we have gotten zero snow thus far. But is it cold there? Not really. It's like high 30s, I'll low take... 40s. Yeah, uh, my car, the, the door to my, my seat in the car was frozen over the weekend. I know that feeling. Yeah, but enough about us because that is what a book is for. Uh, we have... We have a, that, that joke doesn't make sense. Are we writing a book? Whatever. Who's our guest, Matt? Amanda Flayhive is our Yay. guest. Yay. Tell, yes. tell me more about her. Amanda Flayhive is an actor and an educator. She is a company member for William Street Rep a, at the Rouse Center in Crystal Lake and also teaches for them at Sage Studio, teaches for all ages. Uh, we talked to her about growing up in Illinois, how she came to be, how she got her start in a musical called The Sound of Music. My God, Griffin, she is a bundle of energy, I must say. She is right. so much fun to talk to, and uh, she keeps me engaged, and I think she will keep everyone else engaged. So without further ado, here is Amanda Flayhive. Hi, Amanda. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Great, thank you for doing this. Absolutely, it's a lot of fun, I'm excited. I'm excited too. And, it, and it's funny because usually how we start these episodes, um, because we usually ask our guests how everything pandemic life has been. You know, we've been doing this for, the pandemic has been going on for now a year now. And, I, and it went from, how are you? To what have you learned? And I think now it's kind of, how have you changed since all of this has happened, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy. I was just thinking the other day about having been in it for an actual year. And I actually have like a reminder on my fridge because the last thing that that we that that I should say that my son and I did so I'm a mom in case yes. anybody didn't know uh, I have a, a two and a half year old son named Oliver Maxwell Flayhive he's Ollie Max for short and he's wild um Ollie the last thing that we did together was on the 13th of March he was student of the week at the little gym which was his little gymnastics place where we went and did baby gymnastics so we went to class that morning, even though things were starting to shut down, uh, we went to class because he was student of the week and because we felt safe being there. So we went and while we were there, it was already in the point where his teacher, and remember, this is a class full of babies. This is a class full of actual two-year-olds and or before two, he wasn't two yet. So the teacher was like, okay, so I can't give anybody hugs today and I can't give high fives. I have to do this elbow thing and all this stuff. So these kids don't know. He comes running in, Miss Sam, and like, like attack hugs her in his normal way. And she's like, okay, so like 
protocol for whatever this is, is already out the door because all the kids are going to touch me and hug me and drool on me. So that morning she said, well, I really don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure. Um, You know, we normally follow what the school districts do. Um, It's in Barrington. And she was like, we normally follow what Barrington 220 does. And while we were there, we got the notice that Barrington 220 was shutting down. And that was the last like a public event inside of a building that Ollie was able to attend. And he hasn't been anywhere since that wasn't an outdoor thing. So like, so I would say if anybody's life has changed, his certainly has, but then mine changed, (laughs) changes along with it, right? Like mine changes dramatically because I can't go to Target and put him in the cart like I would normally do. Uh, He also typically comes to work with me and now work is here. (laughs) there are there are two parents working full-time in the house so he's always in the middle of somebody's job uh it's just trying to determine which job is he's going to be in the middle of that day (laughs) and he and he doesn't know what's going on obviously not a clue not a clue so the, the early going he was like the early going he was like this is so fun mom and dad are here all the time this is amazing look at this this is great now I think so now he's almost three now he's reached the point where he's like I'm sick of you like you could go someplace else (laughs) man they they grow up so fast I must say (laughs) it's it's unbelievable how much he has shifted to like being really excited when Grubhub does a contactless drop-off he's like who's here like like he's like overwhelmed in every way so. I, I was teaching today and uh at, at, at a um at a house I, I teach um oh I homeschool preschool and the dad came by today never met the dad before and the dad was telling me if like she's like oh man our little our little girl she was four and now she's like growing from her eyes and she's like and he's like right dear and she looks at him in a straight face and goes you ready yet <laughs> and it's like oh oh yes they ha- and and, and Life for your eyes, you know they all, they all grow up. Yeah, um, they cer- they certainly do in positive and negative ways. <laughs> and you're also you work for uh, William Street Rep, and which is at the Ralph Center in Crystal Lake, this really well known theater company and venue itself. So, what's the work like been there for them? What's happening with them as of right? Yeah. Now? So we, uh, so our, we were in the middle of production at the time we were in the middle of production for, uh, what was going to be our spring, um, play, which was, uh, native gardens. So I wasn't involved in that production, but I know pretty much everybody that was. So that show obviously stopped in its tracks and then sort of everything else kind of trickled down. So I was booked to do our um, our fall production of Matilda. I was super excited, still am super excited, still uh, believing that we're going to get it back uh, hopefully soon. But the, yeah, so we kind of halted all production at that point. Uh, and it was a couple of really difficult months as we tried to forecast a, a, an impossible calendar, right? Like there's no, every time we would make a plan a week later that plan would sort of (laughs) be crumbling on the floor and we didn't quite know what to do uh so I think that was definitely the hardest part for us there at the beginning and so we're still in shutdown mode we don't know uh uh, the the Rouse so William Street Rep is part of Rouse Center for the Arts for the larger arts organization there are kind of multiple legs of the organization Uh, there's the William Street Rep side there's the Sage Studio side which is also my side and then the perform then the part where we bring in 
you know, musicians and comedy troops and things of that nature. So that stuff, the performing arts center stuff is kind of starting to get booked again. Uh, not anything big at this point. Uh, right now, the state of Illinois will allow us to have 50 people in the space um, as long as they're masked and socially distanced and all of that stuff. It's a 750 seat theater. So it's there are worse indoor places that you could be certainly uh there's you know great air filtration and all of that so uh we're kind of slowly starting to dip our toe back into the water of in-person events um not live william street rep shows just yet uh we're gonna wait a little while longer until we can do those with a few less restrictions than what we currently have but at least we're starting now at least since the beginning of this year we've been able to start talking about it again which is great uh, in the meantime, the education program that I manage uh, kind of blew up in a different way. We, oh. uh, we had a moment where we weren't quite sure what to do. We had some big shows that were planned, trying to figure out uh, where we were going to land and is there a market for, for virtual acting classes. Uh, and then uh, so we kind of took the spring to figure that out see where students would land and then starting in the summer we migrated to what we now call virtual sage studio and that uh took off in a really great way uh, we've had really positive response from our kids and also new kids because the beauty of this is that you don't have to be you don't have to live in McHenry County you don't even have to live in Illinois to uh to take a virtual sage studio class from our teachers so uh so we've been able to get that going it's been really awesome we've taken a chance on some classes that uh wouldn't necessarily be the kind of class that I would want to offer as a full-blown in-person class because they might be a little risky or they might be something that like I wasn't sure how many kids would sign up uh, so we've been able to offer some kind of cool, different stuff that gives some one-on-one -on -one opportunities. So yeah, so that's, that part's going really well right now. Now, when we get out of that and into something else, I don't know if I had, right. <laughs> if I knew that, man, I would, I would sleep easier, but, <laughs> but, but we are, uh, but we're, we're taking it a day at a time and thankfully being really successful at it so far. Yeah, I, I, again, like the same parent today we were talking, I don't even know this parent, first time I ever had a conversation with him, but he right. mentioned it, he's like, it feels so weird being at the end of the road. And when he said that, I just thought, really, this is the you're end like, this is the end like, of the road? Like, this which is, road are you on, sir? I, I know, right? Like, <laughs> I, I get it, vaccines are out, people are getting them left and right, sort of, and things are coming, cases are going down, and sure. By the time we're recording this, but it feels so weird to think of like ahead of like what when we get back to normal. And so to hear like a theater company or a venue in general planning having performances again just feels so hot. It feels so weird to me now. Like I had, I can't remember the last time I've been excited for. Uh, a show again you know isn't it, isn't it weird and it's like it's getting used to that feeling again I think that's odd you know so like I have friends that have had a great time filming themselves singing on Instagram and stuff right. like that that seems like and it was never the kind of thing that I could really embrace I've done some online stuff that's been incredibly fun and all of those things I loved doing but it like and every time I do one of those things I feel myself like reconnect to that desire to perform because it's really easy to lose what that was like, right? Because we've had to go through so much and watch the people around us go through so much. So, uh, so I'm I'm thankful to have first off my little all my little theater babies that are uh, that are coming to class and 
that they're excited and looking at everything through fresh eyes because they force me to do the same. They force me to not be so bogged down in all of it. And also just like all of these cool little online performance opportunities that we've been able to like that other actors have been able to carve out for themselves through this. Uh, you know, those are the things that kind of keep us motivated, but it's weird to think about how, uh, how much longer will we be doing those? At what point do we all start walking back into the audition room? And what does that look like? <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause last week we had a, a, a guest on and she said, the audition room is gone. And it's just going to be the world of self tape, which oh yeah, if, well, if we, that's, if, yeah, go ahead. We bought all the equipment. I mean, we've all we've all done it now, right? Like we're all like ring light fancy pants now, and we have fancy webcams and backdrops and like all these things now. So we might as well make use of it to some degree. Um, for an actor like me that's trying to balance a family at the same time the self-tape world makes me really excited because it's like, oh, I don't have to carve out time to drive down to the equity office, even though even though I'm a union actor, so I have an appointment to go in there. Like, I don't have to get to the equity office and then find parking or, or work out the train schedule and then do all this stuff and get all this and hire a babysitter, all those things. No, if I have 10 minutes, I can come down here and get my thing shot and then everything's great and it's out the door. So yeah, I, it, there there is something to be said for have we entered the generation of self-tape I, I I know for a fact that all of my non-equity actors sitting freezing outside of the equity office every time there's an open call for a big theater um I I don't think any of them are going to complain yeah. <laughs> about, right. like, about that how old um the, back to your students how old are your students by the way yeah so I uh, so sage uh teaches kids ages seven through 18. Uh, I work predominantly with the high school kids, but I've worked at some point or another with every, with every age group. But the, uh, I started it back in, so when I first got started at Williams Jurette, uh, when I showed up for their, for their very first general audition and got cast in the very first show that they ever did, uh, I, it was this incredible experience for me as an actor, I had not worked in quite a while. At that time, I had taken like a four-year um, uh, unplanned break from the business. Uh, my day job got in my way. I got married. There was all kinds of stuff that happened during that time. And I, uh, when I walked into that first audition, I had no idea that I would be, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, then I would be hired for that show. Then the show after that, that, that the, uh, the producing director at the time would come to my dressing room door and say, Hey, we see on your, uh, on your resume that you've worked, that you've worked in education before. Uh, would you be willing to talk to the artistic director about it? So at that time, I know the artistic director very well now, but at that time I was really scared of him. And I was like, <laughs> Aren't we all? Right? Like people say artistic director and you're like, oh my gosh, straighten myself up. Yeah, better, right. better get in there and make a good impression. Do I look okay? Like, right. so I, it, now I don't care. Now I'm on a Zoom call with him every single week. And like, if I like took my pajamas off, we're really winning. So right. the, uh, but the, uh, the first time that we met about it, we had one class that they did in the summer that had like wildly changed topics many times and he wanted me to come in and do a musical theater class that was similar to a class that you would take in the city that was like a studio-based approach to what it's like 
being a professional actor and delve into audition etiquette, um, like uh, uh, real life skills that the kids could take into the business. Uh, so I think I had five students that first summer uh, and I, you know, we had a great time. It was a two week class. We, it was really cool. And now that one class during non COVID times it, uh, uh, is now 25 or 30 classes a year that we do for ages seven to 18. So it's gotten harder for me to actually be in the classroom with the kids because there's so many little moving parts to keeping everything else in line. But I still do, um, I still do teach our top level high school kids. So the ones that are like very serious, gonna pursue this in college, uh, that are gonna like take it to the next level. So, so it's, it's, it's really fun. To that watch. is. Well, speaking of the top level young artists, let's talk about you as a young child. I know yeah. you grew up, I know, great segue. I know you grew up in a small town in Illinois mm-hmm. and you really got the bug when you were one of the characters in Sound the Music when you were 16. Uh, how, what, how, what were you like as a child and how did that sort of, you know, come to be? So, uh, so I was always a kid that probably had, uh, like (laughs) closet performing aspirations, but not a venue to do so. So I grew up on a farm in rural Mantino, Illinois, which is down by Kankakee. If you know, Illinois geography or anything like that, uh, the bears used to have training camp in Bourbon A. It's like next town over. Um, uh, so very small town, 75 people in my graduating high school class, which is bananas to think of for a lot of people, but like super duper small. Uh, I grew up uh, on an actual functioning farm where my dad um, worked at the grain elevator and we raised beef cattle and I was a 4-H kid and just the whole nine yards. Like I grew up in a world where everybody was an ag major, like everybody went to the U of I and that's what they studied. Uh, And I always knew that that wasn't necessarily my path. There were certainly things about that life that I really enjoyed. Like I love being on the farm. I love animals. I loved the competitive nature of 4-H. It was that I grasped really quickly as a kid, but like, uh, I kind of went, I went wildly back and forth as a kid with what I wanted to be when I grow up. Uh, like I always, I remember telling my mom one day that I wanted to be Cindy Lauper, if that was someone that you could be like, I was like, 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 is that a person? Uh, But I always had this fascination with movie musicals, namely uh, Annie, because every little girl does, but I never wanted to be Annie. I always wanted to be Carol Burnett. I always wanted to be Miss Hannigan. I loved uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which was the movie we watched at my third grade sleepover. not having any idea that maybe there was inappropriate content in there that like maybe third graders should not watch Steve Martin punch Ellen Green in the face. Like, no, whatever. <laughs> like, it's totally fine. I, I still love that movie so much. I will drop everything to watch Little Shop of Horrors. Right. Uh, and The Sound of Music. The Sound of Music was my, was I loved Julie Andrews in that movie so much that I had one of those little Fisher Price tape recorders with the cassette tape in it and the little microphone that comes out the side. And I would line all my stuffed animals up in front of the couch and I would stand up on the couch and do the Julie Andrews mountaintop spin. Like the hills are alive and turn, turn, turn. And I would get caught in the couch and I would, and I would tumble onto the floor into the stuffed animals. My mom would come running because her child's on the floor and I'd be like, mom, it's totally fine. It's okay. I'm going to try again. And then get up and do the whole scene repeatedly. So I think that my parents probably sensed this, sensed that something was going on, but they didn't really, uh, they, they, 
neither of my parents are performers. My, uh, my mom played piano a little bit and my dad is what I would call an enthusiastic singer. He loves to sing enthusiastic and is often in tune, but just like, he just makes up silly little songs and it's just, you know, he sings with gusto. So the, uh, I did lots of little kid variety shows and talent shows and stuff like that, but nothing serious until I got into my junior high school choir, got really into that. And then my sophomore year of high school, they decided for the first time in 20 years at Mantino High School that they were going to do a spring musical and that it was going to be sound music. So I was like, this is my ticket. I have arrived. I'm going to audition for The Sound of Music. I've been rehearsing for this moment my entire life. I had no delusions that I was going to be Julie Andrews. I already knew who was going to get that role. And she was one of the greatest Marias to ever grace the high school stage. Ian Taylor, if you hear me, you were incredible. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she was wonderful. Had no delusions that I was going to get that, but wanted to get something. I went and talked to my choir director at the time and said, and it's a small town. So choir director is also the band director, the show choir director. Um, he's the music director for the musical. He's everything, right? He's, he does all these jobs and was the substitute bus driver who happened to be driving my bus the day of this conversation. Hell, Very small town. So I said to my bus driver, choir director, band director, all those things. I said, I said, Mr. Snyder, I'm so excited that we're doing sound music. I can't wait to come to auditions. And he looks at me straight faced and says, I think you'd make a really great nun. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. cool. Just you wait, sir. So, <laughs> so uh, well, I went to now. Yeah, yeah. So I went, so I went in and I was a nun. I, but I was the nun. I was Mother Abbess and it was incredible but on day one they had to teach me what stage right and stage left and upstage and downstage and the whole nine yards meant because I had no earthly idea what any of that was about and I'm 16 years old it is bizarre to me that I now teach seven-year-olds that thing like it's totally normal and me at 16 didn't have the first clue right and kids in the county where I where I teach are like those McHenry County high schools do not play when it comes to, when it comes to their schools. Those shows look like Broadway shows. This was not the case at Mantino High School. Um, the, like, we, we rented stuff from the local community theater. All of this stuff was like, we did the best we could, but it did not look like the shows that these kids do now. Um, but I came home after the first rehearsal where I learned every single little thing about uh, how to function on the stage. And I told my mom, I said, mom, this is it. I'm going to go to college and major in musical theater. This is it. I'm done. And she's like, please go talk to your father. Thank you so much. Huh. I go tell my dad, dad, you're not going to believe this. This has changed my life. I'm going to go to school and major in theater. He's like, go talk to your mother. <laughs> so I was like, all of you guys don't get it, but I'm telling you that this is it. So my parents kind of let me roll for a little while. I kept on this conversation for the whole four or six weeks or however long we were in rehearsal. And then they came to see the show. And then I remember after opening night, they gave me my flowers and they gave me a hug and they kissed me, told me, told me I did a great job. And they said to me, they said, okay, you might be onto something. We will support you 500%. Like we, like, if this is what you want to do, 
we're going to figure out how to do it right. Like we're going to figure it out. So uh, again, being only a sophomore in high school, I did the subsequent two high school musicals that happened after that. I did um, Oklahoma and the Wizard of Oz. And then I did two shows at our local community theater. And I thought that that would be enough to drive me into every college musical theater program there was, but I only wanted to audition for one. I wanted to audition for Millican University. That's it. The BFA in musical theater at Millican, nothing else. My mother, again, being sensible, was like, Amanda, are you sure that you only want to audition for one school? I was like, yes, that's it. I had been to Millican for uh, for a big uh, like national show choir camp that they do called Show Choir Camps of America. I was a big show choir kid. Still am a big show choir kid. Love me some sequins and some jazz squares and some big choreography. Uh, I went to that camp and was like, fell in love with Millican, fell in love with everybody there, met other students, was like, this is where I'm going. That's it period. Little did I know that Millican was one of the top five musical theater programs in the whole country. I didn't know this. I was just like, no, that's where I'm going. And that's it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I auditioned with um, terrible material that I would never audition with now. I auditioned with I Dreamed a Dream <laughs> from Lady <laughs> Mr. Rob. Well, you are, you are just going for it at this point. Green, green so green. Green of the grass. Um, I auditioned with I Dreamed a Dream and uh, and another song, but I can't remember what, but I remember that my monologue <laughs> was actually from Cell Block Tango from Chicago. That's not a that's not a monologue, guys. It's no. not I would never do that in an audition scenario now. Uh somehow those people accepted me into the BFA musical theater program. I, I don't get it. I coach students for these programs now and I was like please I just keep telling them I'm like please don't be like me please don't do what I did like, but but in the end it all uh it all worked out it's just uh, uh I always say that everything happens for a reason at exactly the time that it's supposed to um I just didn't know what a sense of that I had as a 16 year old child right you dreamed a dream is what you're saying I was like, this is like, I did. I dreamed a dream. Yeah. I mean, I remember like I, when I was a senior in high school, I only applied to three schools, Monmouth, Concordia, because I was like, all right, I can do English. Sure. And then Columbia College, Chicago, I only went on two tours. And even for Columbia, I wanted to be a radio major. But one was like, all right, I'll minor in theater. I swear yeah. to God, that, the week I visited was their tech week for The Tempest. Now I, I, I and so they took us to their main stage of the of the show. Oh my god! And I saw the giant ship that they uh-huh. actually made. I thought, oh, that is so freaking cool. You're like, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. And I yeah. told my parents, like, I, I know I'm gonna go for radio. I know, but I kind of want to look at the theater department. And you know, went to Columbia, and sure enough, a semester later, found out, oh no, I want to act. I want to uh-huh. do what the Tempest people do. See uh, and have never looked back so like you said these little moments just happen uh yeah and like and uh so many people especially theater parents always ask me about the fallback plan they're like okay so she's gonna major in theater but like what is the other thing that she should major into and uh I I picked up a minor because I could um I picked like because I had the time in my schedule I was fortunate enough all of this again weird things that happen um I was the kind of kid that like I was 
barely passing mm. um, uh, physics and biology and those kind of classes and did not care. Dropped a bunch of those classes when I was good. But when I went to Millican and got to study all the things that I wanted to and got to take all the classes that I wanted to and like deal with college level classes that were high level thinking, uh, I was, uh, they picked me for their, for their honors program right out of the gate. It's nuts. So the beautiful thing about the honors program is that it takes all your gen ed requirements away. So, and you get different little gen eds that fit in. And then you have to do like a two year research project. So I wrote a play, which was oh. fun, but like, but so, so uh, all that stuff went away. So I picked up a creative writing minor while I was there because I liked doing that because I was good with English and all of those kind of things, but it was not my fallback plan. It was just the, the thing I had time to do that was fun. Uh, it, and it wasn't even, uh, I don't even think I really entertained the notion of a fallback plan so much. I, I always tell kids now that maybe you should identify all the other things that you're good at. Um, <laughs> I have a good friend that his piece of advice he gives to young actors is double major in accounting. Uh, but <laughs> Numbers, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, like it's totally the same thing. Like why couldn't you do both? But, uh, but yeah, like once the bug hits, you're, you're, in or and that's just it and, and the the fate takes hold of you and that's that's where it goes right it's so you went to Millican you you graduated was it back to Illinois I mean I know you worked with um Prairie Fires Children's Theater in Barrett yes. Minnesota I know I, I'm surprised how I know this too people get a little weirded out um uh but so like did you go to Minnesota after that did you come back home what kind of what was the plan yeah. So, um, so I, once I left Mantino, I didn't look back, uh, too much. I was ready to get out. Uh, and I didn't really have like a clear idea of where I wanted to end up. I did a showcase in New York with a bunch of other, with, uh, with a bunch of other musical theater majors that I was graduating with. Um, uh, in order to go to the New York showcase, we had to make a hard commitment to move to New York. And I was like, sure, I'll make a hard commitment if somebody's got a hard job for me, but, and they did, I got some callbacks and some things, but nothing really landed. Uh, what I did a lot during Millican was I went to every regional theater audition that they would let us go to. So for summer stock, um, regional theater work, all kinds of stuff. So starting my, uh, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I was off doing summer stock in far flung <laughs> little cornfield town locations. Um, right. uh, I love that because I feel like that's where you learn as an actor. You really get pushed in those situations where uh, I worked for one little company that um, that performs on the campus of Western Illinois University um, called Summer Music Theater. I don't believe that they exist anymore, but it was phenomenal. So you would rehearse one show in the morning and then a different show in the afternoon and then perform a third show that night. Like, so it's like three sh big musicals in rotating rep. Um, and it was tremendously fun. So that was the kind of thing that I loved doing uh, during the summer. Um, one of those gigs that I got was I took a summer tour with Prairie Fire um, and Prairie Fire is wild, just wild. I think that the general uh, concept is the same. I, I don't think it's changed since, since I was there, but uh, the concept there is that you go to a little tiny town in the middle of the upper Midwest uh, there, there was like a nine state region at the time that they toured. Uh, so you go to whatever town hires you, you're there for a week long residency and you're touring an original adaptation of a children's story of some type. So Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Aladdin, Pinocchio, 
Tom Sawyer, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's an original script and, an, and with original songs in it. Uh, you play a major role, but not the major role. So like when I did Wizard of Oz, which was my first tour, I was the Wicked Witch and my partner was the Scarecrow. We cast up to 75 local kids in every other role in the show. We had the sets, the costumes, the scripts, the music, the whole nine yards. We had the whole show memorized from top to bottom so that if a kid forgets something, we can jump in and cover. And the uh, and uh, and we would teach teach the kids the show in a week. So I loved that in a crazy way. I think because I did not have this youth theater experience as a kid. Like I didn't do uh, all the children's theater programs that I see that my kids uh, participate in now. We didn't have that where I was growing up. It did not exist. So uh, me getting to give that opportunity to kids while at the same time building all of my theater skills, my improv skills, my sewing skills as I repaired a costume, my, my scenic prep skills as I had to put our set together every single week, you know, like all of that stuff, like handling a power tool, not a thing I had done, but like, so I uh, getting to put all of my theater training into one job was super duper cool to me. So I kind of fell in love with what they did, uh, but took a few jobs at other places. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I just kept landing in different regional theaters. Prairie Fire ended up offering me the associate director of the company, Yeah, which was nuts. Um, Cause I was super young at the time. Like I was like, whoa, cool. So I took like an 18 month stint with them, which was incredible because now I wasn't just I was and I was still touring at the time so the associate director at the time is still a touring actor you have a partner you're out doing shows but you're also on the phone all the time talking to other tour actors and finding out how their tour is going and making sure that all these bookings are running like <laughs> like like it's a mobile office scenario and at the time we were at the dawn of the internet right. so no one has a computer you have to go to the public library to you <laughs> like to get on the internet it's a mess so uh so I think that doing so I did that for like 18 months and then uh and it was like so wild but also just really really fun like I got to see so much of like so much of the country I got to meet so many cool people and just like and just again put all of my theater training into put it all into practice at <laughs> at once right. uh, you know, like when I, when we graduate and our professors are like, so what are you going to do? And people usually get the New York, California, or I'm going to say in Chicago, which is perfectly fine. I mean, there's obviously great theater in New York and great sets and films in California and obviously really good theater in Chicago. But, you know, the regional theater is all around. Like you said, the small town theater companies, what you did, my God, you were living on the edge, my friend, with everything going on. I think that's incredible. It's amazing. I tell every college kid now that if you have an opportunity to go do theater in the middle of a cornfield or in the middle of an, there's um like there's a regional theater, there's an amazing, like Rocky Mountain Rep is in Grand Lake, Colorado. Like you live in a beautiful cabin all summer. Go do that. Go, uh, there's another theater company that's in one of the national parks in Alaska. Go work there. Like you have a lot of time to establish yourself as a big, bad Chicago actor, a big, bad New York actor or whatever you want to be. Uh, it's cool to be able to go do these regional theaters where first off you can't focus on anything else except doing your art because there isn't anything else to do besides your theater company like 
<laughs> you can't you can't sit at the Starbucks when there isn't one. Um, but the uh, so you get to go and like really put your training in and really like spend good quality time. I got to go to Uptas as a producer and sit in the chair and watch other people audition. I learned more over those three days sitting in that chair, watching other people go up and do their minute and a half, and then hiring those people to come work for us. I, I learned more than I ever could have in a college classroom, but I would not have had that opportunity had I been like, I'm going to go sit in a major market right now. Uh, because at the time, it just didn't exist. Now, granted, there's a lot of great storefront theater companies in Chicago, and a lot of people, like if you go to Columbia or Roosevelt or any of these cool schools that are in the city, you walk out of it with with connections to some of these theater companies. And I see so many people being able to start their own, like right off the bat. That's the, that's the caveat to going to a school that isn't in one of these big major markets. But for me, uh, I think that I got to take that time to grow. And that was what I actually needed at the time. Would you think you grew as a better artist or as a better actor during all of that? I think, man, I think both, honestly. I think, uh, I think as an actor that I needed time to kind of come into my own, uh, I, I was, I remember the head of my theater program at Milliken saying that I was quirky and not being really sure where to type me. Um, because at 22 years old, he didn't quite know. I know now that what he was saying was that I wasn't going to make my living as a Broadway chorus girl. That was not what was going to happen for me. I'm five foot 10. I got a, I got a big belcher voice, but also I sing high soprano stuff. Um, like I was a leading lady type. Um, and I, and also, but also could do the funny friend of lead, but also could do some of these more complicated roles. Like I, I, I had kind of a broad range that didn't fit necessarily into the clear, like chorus girl, ingenue, this or that box. So I think that for me, I needed time to figure that out as an actor. I don't think that I knew that as I like, I, but I think that regional theater taught me that. I think regional theater taught me when I got hired for a season that, where I was um, in the ensemble of Jekyll and Hyde and I was Ado Annie in Oklahoma and I was Gabby Bobby in City of Angels. I was wildly different types. Um, having to do all of that uh, and having to use all those skills at the same time as doing, and, and then going right after that into a children's theater tour where um, everything is this big overblown, like, you know, spectacular children's characters. I think doing all of that stuff and getting to play so many different things uh, helped me as an actor as much as it did as an artist kind of coming up, uh, figuring out where my artistic sensibilities lied and what was important to me. Right. Right, right. Yeah, as a six foot four, lanky, tall, deep voice person, it's so much fun because because I it's funny. I was having I told myself when I was in college I want to be a supporting character actor. Uh, that's really all I kind of wanted to do. Yeah. And my one friend, I just I just spoke with her, who we both know. I won't say her name on on um, on the mic. Uh, we were talking about it. And she goes dude, you're, you, you don't have a face for a character actor. I was like, okay, well back to the drawing board. But, uh, but, um, so yeah, that's. Funny friend of lead is what I always say. Like I, like I went to college hoping to play funny friend of lead for the rest right. of my life. Like I was like, I don't need to be lead. I could just be funny friend of lead. I didn't even embrace the possibility that there was something else. Right. <laughs> Like, God, look at me now. Just cast me as the teacher in the background of the musical. Like, I'll do anything at this point. Uh, right? 
Yeah, and this is not me being desperate for roles. I'll just say it right now off the bat uh, because there's not. Anyway, um, so anyways, yeah, so you finished, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, so you finished that. What, when did you make you, when did you um, come back to Illinois and um, get started? Oh, uh so I had uh, finished up a regional theater contract, had done like a quick stint with Prairie Fire before I went on that 18 month stint. I had had like two months at home, uh, just kind of chilling, just being like, I'm going to recharge my batteries, live that home cooked food life, uh, hang out with my mom and dad and my little brother at the time. Uh, and uh, I was like, let's just let's relax. At the time, uh, I got a very random phone call from a guy named Chad Flayhive, who is now my husband. Um, Chad called me. Uh, Chad was a junior when I was a freshman in high high school. He was the first boy that I ever had like a big grown-up adult crush on. I loved him from afar for so very long, and the timing never worked out but he randomly picked up the phone one day and called me uh because he had heard that I was back in town uh he is not a performer he went to school for computer science I shouldn't say that he's not a performer actually because uh he plays bass guitar he played bass guitar in the show choir backing band when I (laughs) which is one of the places that I met him when we were young uh and then he played like in a couple garage band kind of situations uh before so he's like an arts appreciator and an arts participator but he would never talk on stage by himself in front of us. We would not do that. So uh, he called me out of clear blue sky nowhere, um, wanting to know if I wanted to grab dinner just as a couple of friends. Uh, I, I ended up talking to my parents about it and being like, what the heck? Can you believe that? That Chad Blayhive called me? This is the most random thing. And my mom told me at the time, again, because everything happens for a reason, my mom goes, yeah, did you know that his brother is dating your cousin? <sighs> huh? Huh? And he's, and, and she said, yeah, they're very serious too. Like, I think that they might get married. And I was like, wait, go back. So like, I know I've missed a lot because I was at school and I've been on tour and things like that. Uh, so Chad had come home during the summers from school and all that. I never did. I was off working someplace else. So we had truly lost touch while we were at school. Uh, my parents had neglected to inform me that his brother was, about to become engaged to my cousin. Uh, (laughs) Very odd, Uh, had no idea. Uh, But Chad and I ended up going out to dinner um, for the first time in five years. And we, uh, uh, that night I came home and told my mom, I said, ooh, I got a problem now. Cause I think that I'm gonna marry Chad Flayhive. (laughs) I I got a problem with that. So by now my parents had figured out like you shouldn't doubt me on things like this and they're like, Okay. Uh, My parents loved him. He was the boy against which all other boys were measured my entire high school career. Uh, So when I finished up my 18 month contract with Prairie Fire, I was pretty determined that I was going to move back to Chicago to go move in with my now boyfriend. Uh, So I was really excited about that. He was really uh, enthusiastic and uh, wanted me to go start pursuing theater in Chicago. Uh, He visited me on the road wherever I was about every every two weeks or a month. So he put so many miles on his car coming to see me. So exhausting. But the (laughs) poor kid, he stayed at so many bad hotels, ate so much Culver's. Um, uh, he, uh, so 
I got off the road and I moved in with him and I started auditioning in the city. I was so excited, fresh faced now, right? A few years out of college, have all this other theater under my belt. So I'm like, yay, Chicago, embrace me. Here I come. Uh, and I went on many, 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 many auditions and I got many, many callbacks for auditions, but just wasn't booking the gig. Like just kept going in and trying and trying and trying. Um, also, I was living in the suburbs and commuting in to go to all these things. So, uh, so it was it was wearing me out. Like I was getting pretty tired. So it got really easy to fall back into my day job and get pretty comfy. And then we got engaged and then I got consumed with planning my wedding and all those things. And then before I knew it, um, I wasn't going to any auditions at all. Like I had completely stopped. Uh, I, I, it, it seemed like who I used to be at that time. Uh, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure that who I was at that moment was exactly who I wanted to be forever. Uh, I ended up taking a job, uh, working in marketing and PR. Um, I liked it initially and then just started to feel it wasn't anything in particular about the job because I was good at it. Um, I, uh, I just slowly just started to feel kind of crushed by it. Like I just like, like it was, hating it and feeling really anxious and just not like I was just the ultimate square peg in a round hole. Uh, and I had a big old breakdown one night about it. Just could not figure out what the heck was going on with me. I was like, I just kept telling Chad, I was like, I just, something's not right. I just don't know what's, and he was like, you know, uh, we're at a place right now. He said where you can, you know, he, he works in it. His job was pretty stable at that moment. He was like, you know, um, we can have you take a little time off. Like we can, we can do that uh, to have you figure this out. So I said, cool, awesome. I'll take some time off. So I quit my job. Um, I started doing all this random stuff that I had always wanted to do. I took gardening classes and cake decorating classes and all this silly little fun stuff um, that I had always entertained the notion of doing. Uh, a couple of times Chad suggested to me that I should go on an audition and it just felt too scary. Um, I had been rejected so many times for so many big things uh, that I was afraid of getting back into the market because I was literally paralyzed with anxiety about rejection, just could not entertain the notion. So I had met somebody, uh, I, <laughs> I took several retail jobs and um, I'd met somebody at one of my retail jobs that was really active in a local community theater that was due in Schaumburg that was doing Wizard of Oz. And she was going to go to the audition and she said, you should go. And I'm like, I have a bachelor of fine arts degree in theater. I'm going to go to this community theater audition. I, I have toured Wizard of Oz multiple times. I'm going to go to this audition. Let's find out. I go, I get a callback. Yay. Great. Right. This is awesome. So I go get the callback and then I go to the callback and I meet all these cool people. Some of whom I, uh, I'm still friends with to this day. Uh, I meet these cool people. We're having so much fun at the callback. I have a great callback. I get an email later in the day that says that they are not casting me because I am too experienced. Cool. Wow. That's the best damn compliment I could, I've ever gotten. I must say. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So oh. they, so it's, not, so, it's not even a no. It's just like, you're too good for us, I guess. It was really, it, it was really weird. Like I didn't, and, and like, I am not that person that, that responds to that kind of compliment well. Like, I'm like, what? Oh my, oh God. Oh, oh, should I, like, what should I have to? 
I, I, I'm notoriously bad at taking compliments. So like, so I'm like, oh, oh Lordy. So I ended up going to another audition at the Hemmons for Elgin Summer Theater and getting cast in Madri- in one of my dream shows in Annie playing Miss Hannigan with a million little girls who now are in, in high school and college. Um, uh, I get cast with all these little girls and that was the spot where I really like connected again. Like where I was like, this is, I was like, now I get it. Now I remember this is what it's like. So when that show closed, I had two auditions lined up. One was for a production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat at a park district. And the other one was for William Street Rep. And I said, well, I'm gonna go to this Joseph audition because I figure that I can book that. Uh, William Street Rep though, they're looking for equity and non-equity and there's just no way that they're gonna do, like that seems too big, but I'm gonna go because it's a new theater company and look at these cool shows that they're doing. And oh my gosh, they're doing Rocky Horror. That's so fun. I can't wait to do that. They're doing, I love you, you're perfect. Oh my gosh, I've always wanted to do that show. Uh, and And I ended up, getting cast in the Bartlett in in the show the Park District show I ended up getting cast in that uh and had to drop it to take the callback for Rocky Horror at William Street Rep so I kind of just jumped and said okay anxiety be damned let's see what happens and uh and that was 27 shows and my and my full-time job ago so it's like it's nuts it's really crazy how things work themselves out it's so much it's uh, first i say this conversation is wonderful and i'm not just saying that i know you're not good at compliments but i'm listening to this story and i must say what have you taken away from your journey i I hate to be very uh very old school like journey thus far because you know you went through this I want to do this. I want to do this. And then you went to college and then you did this touring and then you went back. And then I think, and then you suddenly you change and now you're, you're, you're scared shitless part of my language about it. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Is it just because the mundane was mundane and we enjoy the mundane? Yeah. I think that the, uh, I think that I read a book way back in the day. I, I, that book called audition by Michael Shirtleff. Great Great book. Everybody reads it when they're a young actor, right? Right now. Yep. I tell my students to read it all the time. I'm like, if you haven't read it, haven't read it, you need to read it because in the beginning he tells you that if you'd be happy doing absolutely anything else, anything, that you should go do that thing because the theater business is that hard and that difficult and that um, uh, uh, subjective. And there's so much about it that isn't about you. So as as an an 18 year old kid at Milliken, I did not grasp the rest of the world at all. I completely was so tunnel visioned into, I'm gonna be an actor. This is the thing I'm gonna do. I have read that book. This is the only thing that I see myself doing. I'm not good at anything else. This is what I'm good at and I'm gonna do it and I will run over anybody else that stops me. This is what I'm gonna do. You walk through those that time in college which with such drive and determination. I was really fortunate to go to the kind of school that fostered that uh, that work ethic and pushed us to always be working. Uh, at the time we had a student directed space where, uh, where we could do uh, little 10 minute plays and one act plays and stuff like that. And I did 50 of those in the time that I was in college. I was constantly working. Uh, I 
I only knew myself in the theater work. Like I only knew myself as a working actor. That was all that I knew. So when I got out into the world and found out that it was not the same as it was at college and that you had to really, uh, you had to meet different people. And some of it was stuff you couldn't control at all. Some of it was stuff that happened before you ever got into the room or uh, this person who's worked with this director before or that person who's precast or the, any of those things. Uh, I think that I let that, beat me up a lot in the beginning and that once I had to kind of take those knocks it got easy to step away uh but only by stepping away did I learn how important it was to me and how like intrinsically it is me to be in the business that that's part of it uh I, I, it is not an easy life, especially when you're, especially when your partner has like a nine to five job, right. And like, everything's normal for them and stuff. Like it, it's hard to like go run out the door and be like, okay, so I have a six o'clock rehearsal and then I'm not going to be back till 11. And then I guess I'll see you tomorrow morning before you have to work. Um, you know, thankfully my husband works from home now. So I see a whole lot more of him, but, uh, but the, uh, but I, I think that I had to, I had to go through all of that to come out on the other side as informed as I got, like informed, you had to, I had to work through that. <laughs> I had to work through that moment of, of anxiety and fear and all those things. It is that stuff sometimes that, that as hard as it is to go through, it makes you appreciate it more. And it really tests you. Like it really determines whether or not this is the thing that really sits on your heart, right? That this is the thing that you've got to be doing. Right. So. It's funny because when you were talking about, I was thinking about my time back at Columbia and, you know, we had level one acting and we had level two acting and level three acting is when, you know, level one, level two, you're seeing actors sort of drop like, like ants, like this is that we want to do. Yep. Level three is just who's left. Yeah. You passed the first two levels and somehow I made it through the first two levels. And Mm -hmm. I, I see the syllabus for this class. His name is Michael Brown. I love this man to death. And he said, and he said, the first thing he said was, this is a very difficult class. It is not too late to turn back now. No feelings will be hurt. And I will fully understand. And he's saying this to me, first day of class, I'm ex- and I'm in the room with all these amazing actors and already am intimidated by everyone. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, is it, it's it too late to go become an accountant or something like people? Right, like what else, what else can I do? Like, is right. there something else I feel comfortable doing? Yeah. yeah. And I had, and I honestly got, I had a, me- a conversation with them in his office. I said, what do you mean by that? Because now you're making me think, oh crap, am I actually good? Or am I just really good at taking notes? And he said, no, no, like I have seen you and you like to doubt yourself because you can't handle the pressure get into the tunnel, handle the pressure, and you're going to be fine. And I'm like, oh, this makes sense. They're not trying to scare you, pretty much. They're trying to amp you up and become the better artist, which is incredible. And the one thing that I have to still take with me every production or every class that I take from here, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I I have learned that um, the best artists, the very best actors that I know are the most insecure 
right? They're the ones that are the most like, oh my gosh, was that any good at all? Uh, They're the best ones. And I think it's because they're walking sometimes on that razor's edge of like, oh my gosh, is this any good at all? Um, Because we know what it's like to put ourselves out there and fail. Um, And we also know what it's out there, what it's like to put ourselves out there and fly. Like, so, uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I am, uh, I, I am really grateful that I got back into the business at the time that I did, uh, because after those first couple years at William street, all of a sudden I started, um, uh, working, I started landing auditions at other places that I had not been seen at uh, before. I started working at those other places. I started playing roles that I thought there was no way that I would ever get near, let alone at this time in my life. Um, so it's been just so like crazy awesome. And I'm still uh, just really humbled by it every day. So that even when now, when some of the like, and <laughs> And there's even been really crazy opportunities that have popped up during the pandemic. Like when those crazy opportunities pop up to do these like really crazy things with people that are so talented. I'm always like, is this real? Are you sure? Am I a fraud? <laughs> <laughs> Am I? Um, but my, uh, my last question to you, and this is, goes back to your teaching. I think um, I've had multiple teachers, multiple professors on the show. And I always ask them, you know, what do you see any of yourself in your students? And I think that, and I, for me, I think that's really important because you want to relate to your students. And so they don't have to be afraid of you. And like you said, you have high school and sometimes even younger. Um, is that even the thing for you? Do you see a, a young Amanda and a student of yours? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so my high school kids all refer to me as theater mom, like they all. <laughs> call me mom like it did like it constantly happens and and most of them still to when they get into college um and I've had some go do just some really cool things I have one student that's about to be on this season of American Idol we can't wait wow so pumped and she's so good I can't wait for her name is Grace Kinsler vote for her right now (laughs) immediately so 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 good um so the uh you know, and I've had kids land tours and professional and all kinds of cool professional jobs. I, we're going to get one of them on Broadway any minute now. Um, uh, but most of the time when I meet them, um, they're at that moment in their theater journey where they're trying to decide where this fits in their life. They're, uh, they're, and I always look at them and I tell the story about how I got started at 16 years old and how just by walking into my theater class, they're ahead of me. Like you've already taken a step in your journey that wasn't available to me. So I watch then at that time, um, I teach really um, open collaborative classes where we talk a whole lot and we fail a whole lot and we experiment a whole lot and try weird things. And I get right in their faces and push on their bellies to help them breathe. And I sit on their feet if they fidget too much and just all kinds of, you know, as you, as you may have noticed I'm a large personality. So that tends to come into the classroom. Uh, So my kids are, I I see the fear in my kids. A lot of times I see the, uh, the, the, the nervousness about allowing themselves to get to that point. So I try to bring them back to this, to that place of little kid joy, where you're singing sound of music to your stuffed animals. I try to get them back there. I always say that of all the kids we work with, that I like the younger, the little tiny ones and the older ones the best. The little ones have no filter. The world has not taught them to have a filter yet, right? right? There is none. So they come in there just being like, I love to sing. 
and they're like at the top of their lungs and they're so crazy and they're running around the room and they're not afraid to get on stage because no one's told them that they should be afraid to get on stage. Like they, like th there's nothing standing in their way at that point. Then the years go by and they become a high school kid. High school kids are all filter. Mm -hmm. Everything in high school right now is about keep your head down, fit in, do what you're supposed to do. Don't rock the boat too much. You don't want to be we like you can be weird, but you need to be like TikTok weird, <laughs> not like like not those sort of not like nerd weird. Like there's all kinds of rules to high school. I love watching all of them throw their filters away and get to be in that spot where they feel comfortable just being exactly who they're who they are that's when they embrace that's when they embrace themselves as the as as artists but i see in every single one of them me at a different point mm -hmm. in my journey uh like i sometimes they walk in and they're exactly like i was when i was 16 they're driven as hell they know exactly where they're supposed to be they're like i'm going to school and i'm doing this thing and i'm going to be the lead and this is how it's going to work and then i'm moving to new york and then i'm going here and then i'm going there and then i see other kids being like i don't know my mom told me that i can't even sign up for choir next semester uh, like so i i i see i i work so closely with all of them not just as actors but as people to try to figure out, uh, you know, where they're at in that spot. And I, I spend a lot of time talking to them about how uh, we all know how competitive the theater business is. We all know how many times um, we're going to be told no. I close every class with, um, with positivity. Every class in Sage Studio has to do this. All of my teachers that I hire, this is the one thing that I push in all of their curriculum. Uh, it's that you have to end with positivity and positivity is that we all sit in a circle or stand in a circle or we look at each other on zoom and we, uh, and we have to say one thing that we really liked about today. One important thing that we learned that we're going to carry with us or a compliment for another person that cannot be a physical compliment. It can't be about your hair or your shoes or anything like that. It has to be about somebody's work. And I always ask my, my seven-year-olds don't necessarily always understand why they, why we do it. So they're just like happy to just like say, they're like, that's fun, that's fun. And I liked that game we played. Um, but my high school kids, it's different. My high school kids, I talk to them about why we do it. And I say, it's because the theater world is so laden down with negativity sometimes. So I want you guys to get the feeling of what it's like to be lifted up to get this feeling of what it's like when other people take the time to give you positive feedback and to enjoy the journey, no matter how hard it is. Because when you can enjoy the journey, then it's those little, then when you have these moments like I had where it kind of knocks you down, um, you can ride that wave onto the next thing. So. That's, that's wonderful. That is yeah. Um So we do have some time and it's time for the game. Uh, the game of all games. Time for two, two minutes on the clock, no right. <laughs> No wrong. All your favorite icebreaker questions all into a, a, a combo pack uh, that is fun for all ages. Uh, so excited. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> you'd be great. Yeah. All right, here we go. In three, two, one, go. Are you a listener or a talker? Talker. What's something you've tried that you will never, ever try again? Oh my God. Um, um, uh, roller skating. I hate it. <laughs> Things you buy most often at a grocery store. Things I buy most often at a grocery store. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, 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 lately fruit, fruit, so much fruit. What chore do you absolutely hate doing? Bathrooms. Bathrooms suck. 
Uh, what's the best way to spend a rainy afternoon? Oh my gosh, <laughs> watching Netflix. I don't get to do it anymore. It's always Disney Junior. <laughs> How do you feel about pineapple on a pizza? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do pineapple on the right pizza. Uh, Brendan or Brandon? Brandon. Are you good at cooking? Yes, really good at it. Left Twix or right Twix? Right Twix. Besides this podcast, what podcast do you recommend? Oh my gosh, um, uh, My Favorite Murder. Ooh, can you beatbox? <laughs> no, not a chance. It's terrible. <laughs> how, many, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? One million thousand. Nice. What is your name? Amanda Marie Flayhive. What is your quest? <laughs> Awesomeness! What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Frick, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't come up with that one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> is the floor lava? Always. Uh, uh, do you know how to tie a bow tie? Yes. <laughs> Beer or wine? Oh, both. <laughs> Do you want to be a millionaire? Yes. Yeah, for the beer and the wine. Yes, uh, definitely. What do you like to have in order to get over a hangover? Ooh, um, uh, greasy breakfast food. Give me a big old skillet. Uh, favorite kind of grandma's cookies? <gasps> Chocolate chippies. Oh, last one. If you had to get drinks from someone, who would it be? Tina Fey or Amy Poehler? <gasps> Tina Fey! And that's how we play! <laughs> I love it. Oh my God, that's my favorite game. I love that one. Well, I play at New Year's and you should just see the response. Uh, we should, I, I'll make a drinking game of it when that's uh, good. this is over. Uh, so before we go, Amanda, my last, last, last question to you is, um, are your parents proud of you? My parents are uh, uh, grossly and obscenely proud of me. They see every blessed show, even the dumb ones. And uh, if my dad had his way, um, I've done Oklahoma musical of musicals um uh four times three times a lot of times and if he had his way i would do that show and that show only for the rest of my life <laughs> well, i must say amanda um if there was a female reboot of the movie big i would cast you as tom hanks oh uh, i would do it <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I would. I can't thank you enough for your time. This was so much fun to just not, not even talk, just to listen. Uh, it was just a wonderful conversation. And uh, I can't wait for what you and uh, William Street have, have to offer uh, in the coming future. So I can't wait. Thanks. I can't wait. Thank you for having me. Was I right, Griffin? Isn't she fun to listen to? Uh, yep. Yeah, yes, she is definitely fun to listen to. I have definitely heard the interview at, at the time that we are recording this outro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep an eye out on William Street Rep and Sage Studio. I believe Sage Studio is doing classes online right now. And, you know, once theaters open back up sometime, William Street Rep would definitely be one of the theaters to keep your eyes on. Coolio. Yeah. So next week. We oh, yeah. Who I don't even know who our guest is next week. We have another exciting guest. We have Carissa Myers, the casting director at Straw Dog Theater and is an actor, director, and a playwright. Awesome. Yeah, no, she's. it's going to be a very interesting and very fun conversation. I'm looking uh, so that, forward to it. Yes, yeah, so that's going to be next week. In the meantime, Griffin. Oh, yeah, where, yeah Griffin, where can they find us? Griffin, you, do you know that people can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram? 
At, I did uh, at Parents Proud Podcast. Yes. Yeah. They can also what? Email us. Okay, we're not threatening them. We want them to email us, Griffin. I'm just that was just a little something for the ASMR lovers out there. Ah. Yep, and yeah. uh, be sure to share this podcast with your friends, your family. Uh, like us on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher, YouTube, Red Circle, all the fun places. Let's keep the show go- going. Let's keep the word of mouth alive. All right, folks. That's my job. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.